Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello and welcome to the IGN UK podcast. My name is Chris Tilley and this week I'm joined by Daniel Krupa Hello. and Rory Powers. Mm-hmm. How are you doing, chaps? I was halfway through a drink of coffee when you introduced me, so I did like a Mickey Mouse. Mm. You had so much time before we started to drink. <laughs> yeah, to yeah. Sip poor that timing, coffee. poor Why planning. Why did you wait till I was speaking? Poor planning. I'd like to challenge myself. See, well, can I get a sip in right before the start? You are very challenged. I couldn't. I am. I am challenged, yeah, in many ways. How are you, Daniel? I'm very well, thank you, Chris. Right, what are we going to kick off by talking about? Well, we want to be topical. We want to be of the moment. So, Crystal Maze. (laughs) Crystal Maze. But it is of the moment now, though, Chris, isn't it? Yeah, so, Rory, what's your knowledge of the Crystal Maze? Love it. Love the maze. Love the crystals. Love every part of it. The way you said that, it sounds like you don't know a single thing about it. it. (laughs) You're just using the two words in the title. Love it. Were you even born when it was on the telly? I don't know. When was it on the telly? So it was on well, TV. I mean, I mean, not when it was originally. To be very, when it started, I don't think you were. It started in 1990. I wasn't, no. And it ran till 1995. But I have, I've watched a lot of it. Because it How? used to be on, used to be on Challenge right before Takeshi's Castle. Okay. So, so he's seen, not even watching it on the original channel. He's watching it on Challenge. So I used to, so UK I used TV to watch Conquest. it a lot. Um, but it was very dated. Me and my brother used to laugh at the funny hairstyles and things. Uh, Richard the, O'Brien's. <laughs> yeah, very minimalist. Um, but no, no, no. Like, uh, like the women had like like hairstyles like exploding out of their heads, and then watching them fall into water and stuff. It was fun. Well, so, it's good fun. Good for jest. people, for people listening and watching of Rory's generation who didn't watch UK Challenge every day at tea time, <laughs> they watched Takeshi's Castle. Um, Crystal Maze, as Dan says, started in 1990. It was a game show, an action-packed game show where it's you'd amazing. kind of you go on a quest for crystals, and it was it was hosted by Richard O'Brien, who's most famous for. Uh, being the man behind the Rocky Horror Picture Show, the Rocky Horror Show, um, and he's quite an eccentric dude. Like I think what made the show was his hosting, his like little non sequiturs. I like when he he just had a lovely sense of whimsy about him, mm. and also a kazoo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he talked to Mumsy, wouldn't he? <laughs> Mumsy, I haven't thought about that for years. Oh yeah. my god! <laughs> and, uh, so you travel to different times. Uh, I used to love the zones. I like, yeah, because he. A lot of the zones were the same, but occasionally they replaced them, didn't they? Did swap them around. So you had medieval, Aztec, Aztec future, yeah, and future was and cool. the fourth one. Fourth one, just can't remember the top of my head. Underwater, water. Or? There was water. Mm, I know. swear there was one was like water dripping in pipes. We can find this out. Yeah, this is dead air at the moment. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, you would go in each of these different zones. You would take part in little challenges. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was physical skill. Uh, mystery and mental right? mental yeah yeah and um yeah you'd, you'd, you'd endeavor to get as many crystals as you can to get you seconds to get you time for the crystal dome at the end where you'd grab i mean this is sounds you're, I it's know. like you're pitching it how did this get greenlit and you win a prize at the end of it how are you gonna make all this mdf why <laughs> the mdf why we're talking about this it's not completely at random is they have i think it started with a kickstarter last year they've built a crystal maze in london in North London in Angel and I went on Friday and had the most brilliant time uh, it was brilliant me and a group of friends I think there was eight of us 
um, you, you arrive there, you get bomber jackets, uh, Christmas bomber jackets, and then uh, someone comes out acting a bit like Richard O'Brien, but in their own way. It's not. It's not like how annoying are they? Because that uh, a lot he, would hinge on that for me. I yeah, think. And, and that was my fear at first uh, when I met our host. I think he was called Chris, and he was brilliant. Actually, he was really. He was just the right, just the right amount of whimsy. He was very funny, not too pushy, and he just wanted to make sure we had a good time. So he had some. He had some really funny one-liners, uh, but he kept the energy up, kept us going. You know, um, that's a tough gig. Yeah, and are those all prep? Do you think the one-liners? Like he knows someone might fall in this, so he's got like a line. Uh, to at say the start, the intro when he explains stuff, I, I, that's all. A, that's all a script. But then I think we were having as much fun with him as he was with us as well. Like he was just joined in with us. That's really. good. You want to be like comfortable for that person. You want to like feel self-conscious. No. like he's taking the piss. <laughs> no, I could have hung out with him all day. It was it was great fun. And yeah, I won't really talk about it because I don't want to spoil it for people who who might be going. Right. But the game, the, the, the set is perfect. It's exactly what it looked like in the TV show. The games are really, really good fun, but also quite tough. Um, I was not the MVP of my team. Ooh. I did three games and I only got one crystal. But what were they? Were they uh, uh, physical, It was, it was um, skill and two physical. Okay. Although, to be honest, they were all kind of like puzzles, which I didn't really want. I thought they would be more mental. I was a bit annoyed. Yeah, that does sound. I don't um, want to do. One of the greatest things in all of Crystal Maze is when you watch a puzzle and you you could tell that person within a second of going into that room is just never going to get yeah. it. The fundamental concept, <laughs> they're just never going to get it. It's like it, it could be a, basically a crystal directly on a table in front of them, and they're just not going to work out how to get it. Well, some of them, some of them, you're so close to the puzzle that you can't really see. You actually want to be it, further yeah. back, you're like a so, wide camera angle. Where it's just yeah. obvious because yeah. when, when you go in and like it's all like glaring in front of you, I feel like the people just looking through the slot and people shout at you is just oh, the worst but then that's so funny to watch like oh, yeah, the, really the fear in someone's eyes as they scuffle around just pushing buttons and twisting things with no clue of like well, how to one solve of my friends got stuck on a wall uh, one of my friends crawled along the floor like a sexy slug uh, for her game um, yeah and, and, and then at the end of it you do get to go to the crystal dome which is the highlight so, right that's got to be yeah, up there and much harder than it looks but yeah, it was just a brilliant day. I think it's fifty quid per person. Uh, they're taking bookings right through to the next year, I think. Wow! But it's really, really well worth going if you can get a group of your mates together and go along. Like it's a really, really fun two hours. How much was it? Did you say fifty quid? Do they have automatic lock-ins? Uh, yes, but they've they've done it in a way because you don't want to be locked in. If yeah, you pay you fifty quid and, and then you're you get just locked stuck in, in the, the first room, yeah. yeah, and that's what I mean. It's all about having fun. So there's a puzzle that you can get out. Or you can spend one of your crystals on getting your, your pal out, but you won't be stuck in there for two hours. That would be really Because apparently that did used to happen on the TV show if you, got, if you lost the first one. <laughs> yeah, we we actually, none of us got locked in because every time when he said five seconds left, just you just got out. out. Yeah. yeah, I guess if you're not, presumably it's not for real cash. Yeah, there were so. a couple of mine where I just knew I wasn't, uh, one of mine I knew. Because you still got 45 seconds. No, I'm out. Yeah, that, was pretty, out. Much, I'm I was, that was pretty much what I was doing. No, none of you are helping me. I don't know what I'm doing. Let me out. It was devised by a French man. The crystal maze. Have you got a problem with that? No, I'm it's saying... It sounds like you have. No. Yeah. I just want... I thought it was one of our national treasures. French it's not. people are people too. <laughs> Devious. <laughs> <laughs> Hiding crystals in rooms. That's what they're known for. So was it originally on in France? Or, or, I'm or... trying to look that up because he also came up with Treasure Hunt, yep. Interceptor, and Fort Bayard. Okay. He... With Fort Bayard is very crystal <laughs> yeah, maze. I mean... But with the messenger th- in it. There was one thing he liked doing... And can you remember who, who replaced Richard O'Brien? 
Well, I do. I can see it. But... Nah. Tim Tudor Pole. Ed yeah. Tudor Pole. Yeah, but do you... Who it's... I once interviewed on a film set. Ooh. What's his deal? Because <laughs> I don't know him outside of that much. He was like, a musician and, yeah, but it, he just couldn't live up to... That's a hard gig to go into. But yeah, and Richard O'Brien is in it briefly as well. But again, I don't want to spoil it. But yeah, thoroughly recommend it. Awesome. If anyone has a go, let us know how you get on. Uh, I think we only got a grand total of nine crystals, which wasn't, which made us fourth out of the four teams that competed that day. So to be fair, going against uh, people competing on television, I think nine is good, right? I saw people get like six and seven. Yeah, we were bad. Oh, okay. Never mind then. Uh, Daniel. <laughs> You got something you want to talk about? Yeah, I saw a movie, and I saw it with you. We both um, saw the new adaptation of The Jungle Book. As I'm sure a lot of our listeners yeah. have used it over the weekend, because it's made a friggin' fortune. It's done really, really well. Really good reviews, mm-hmm. good word of mouth. Second biggest April opening ever really? in the States, behind Fast and Furious. Wow. Very similar to that. Mm-hmm. Very similar. Um, I think it's great. Mm. We both saw it. I thought it was really enjoyable. I think it is... It, is a fresh adaptation there's a lot even if you've seen the original animated movie there's plenty that's different about it including some big changes which we can maybe allude to but we're not going to go into spoilers and technologically it's astounding Mm. I I just tweeted like how good are the effects in that movie it's because a lot of people refer to it as a live action movie Mm. That's how good the effects yeah. are. Because the only live action thing really is the kid. No, no, he's CGI. Do you not know that? Is he? Yeah, I saw him on the one show and he's just a CGI creation. Oh my that's God, crazy. game changer. Yeah. It's just that one rock that's real, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, so the kid is the only thing that's kind of real in the movie, apart from a few bits of set dressing. Mm. Must and it's tough for him. Or, Why just shooting that movie? Pa- well, also in the scene where he's floating down river with Baloo. And uh, apparently, John Favreau was like the head of Baloo, like floating <laughs> alongside him. Was in he lying on his John Favreau's <laughs> belly? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's why the, I would love to see the yeah the deleted well, scenes. Some and DVD amazing gifts that I yeah. saw over the weekend on, are good. On, online where and um, this little kid is in this very big blue space sat on a rock and behind him I guess there's supposed to be two animals but the two little blue gloves with like googly eyes on yeah. speaking to him. Yeah, and someone someone said I want to see this version of the film and I, I quite agree. Yeah, like, definitely worth seeing. Um, yeah, so the effects are amazing mm-hmm. and one thing that's really interesting. So a while ago, Chris and I went to a presentation with John Favreau where he walked through some kind of the technology that made the entire film possible and one thing they do that could have been really terrible and really creepy is the animals still look like animals and they still behave like animals but they talk but they don't give them cartoony mouths they Mm. try to make it seem like animals are talking with their normal kind of Movement. Like in those old-fashioned movies where they used to put peanut butter on the horse's yeah, gums. Yeah, like, like Mr. Ed. Flap about and yeah. Mr. Ed the talking horse. It's weird. But <laughs> they do it really well. I'm going to put peanut butter on his... I <laughs> See love what it. happens. I saw we made Rory talk for news videos. <laughs> just run it on <laughs> and I'm just like... <laughs> Rocket League. Rory Powers. Yeah, and I think it's a really good movie. Although I do agree with our review that it's a pretty intense movie in parts. Like, it's quite full-on and scary. Yeah, but that's not a first for Disney. Not they, first they, for kids' films in no, general. No, they like to do that. Um, yeah, I mean, he did say the film, he was very worried about having talking animals in a film. He just thought it could completely screw the whole thing up if it didn't work. So, yeah, they nailed that. And, and I did an article, I talked to him about the changes he made, both from the animated film and the Rudyard Kipling books, what he took and what he decided to leave. And it was really interesting, especially uh, about the ending. And if you're interested in that... Um, I never liked the ending of the original cartoon 
Um, and it's very interesting what John Favreau had to say about that. So, yeah, when you've seen the film, check it out because it was quite enlightening, I thought. Yeah, it He's was. thought about it a lot. And there's, de- there's definitely going to be sequels. Yeah. Which there's is crazy, no like, doubt whatsoever. Because I don't really have any incentive to see this movie aside from other people's reviews. Like, Jungle Book wasn't one of my favourite Disney movies. No, I said the same to Chris before I, we saw it. Yeah, I, I, I actually think it's dated pretty badly as well. I, don't I, went, yeah. I went in not interested at all. So to come out this impressed with it. And I, I think the point is it's adap- adapted from one short, well, a couple of short stories that Roger Kipling did out of a whole series. Mm-hmm. And so you could really, um, there's, there's so much more to explore between sort of the nature of uh, the, the, the relationship between man and nature in the jungle. I would, yeah, I mean, it's a no brainer. They, they'll do it based on that opening weekend. Mm. And I'll be, I'll, I'll be there to watch it. All right, maybe I should check it out then. Mm. Yes, you should. Definitely, on the big screen. Rory. Yeah. What's going on in your world? So this weekend, I've been very, very busy enjoying crushing people's heads and breaking necks in the Doom beta. Been drinking. Yeah, well, drinking and playing the Doom beta. Um, So this is just the the beta for the multiplayer, the new Doom game that's coming out. It started on Friday, uh, ran through to servers are still up today. It is so much fun. It is so much fun. So I play a lot of FPS games before, um, and it seems like every year we're getting a little bit more complex games are trying to outdo each other, like bigger maps, more customization, and I'm at the point now where I'm getting a little bit overwhelmed when I start a new FPS game, because I'm like, okay, here's my character, here's my loadout, here's my subsections, here's my subsections of those loadouts, here's my perks, here's my character customization with a hundred different things, and it's just, it's a bit too much if you just want to hop on and just have a little bit of fun. Whereas Doom is, you start off, you can pick your loadout between like a handful of guns. And of course, this is the beta, so there is, it's stripped, it's a stripped back version of what the multiplayer is actually going to be like. But it, it just feels like an old arena fighting game mm. again, as opposed to these huge, big open map ones. So for a lot of people who played Doom and Quake and those sort of early games, um, the idea was it was kind of a closed off environment and uh, weapons would weapons and power-ups would spawn on the map. And it's all about map control rather than, you know, you're a level 20, so you have better guns than the person who has level is level 8. Uh, and this was really getting back into it. You start and you start to learn the maps and when things spawn where, and you as a team have to kind of dominate parts of the map. But it's also just really fast and really fun. It's incredibly fast. It's r- it like, feels like, it looks a bit like Quake as well, doesn't it? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You were actually very good at it. Thank you, Dan. You were very good at I it. I don't know how. I, I think Because we, what we were doing on Friday, Chris, we were mm. capturing it because we wanted to like make a video from it. And it was like, oh, pressure's on, powers, you have to be really good. And then you are really good. And it's like that bit in, in between us when Neil dances. And it's like, oh, he's, he's actually rather good. He's like annoyingly good. I had a, but can I, you dance while you're playing it? I haven't tried yet. He danced for an ice cream, which we'll all embed in this video. I'm never going to live that down, am I? Oh. <laughs> You'd have to live it down. It's something to be proud of. Uh, I had a game on Sunday where I went <laughs> 20, the topic. 24 kills and zero deaths. Yeah, he didn't do that like, on Friday. obliterated people. But it's just, it's so much fun. And it's actually got me really excited for the game. Like, um, uh, the new Halo that came out, Halo 5. I was really excited about that. And I'm, um, I am having a lot of fun with it. But again, there's a lot to it. There's a lot going on. How, how do you feel at the end of a weekend when all you've done is drink and, and kill people in this game? Pretty good. Mm, amazing. Pretty really? good. Put sunglasses on, lean back in the chair. Slow as Mackenzie. Yeah. <laughs> Is there not a bit of darkness and you do not cry yourself to sleep? No, no. Okay, just check him. The happiest man I know. Really? Am yeah. I the happiest man you You're getting all the tension out doing that. Exactly. Boom. Mm. Video games, gym, and, and alcohol. And then that's like the trifecta. 
It's the, tri- it's the Triforce. It's wisdom, courage, and power. <laughs> and that makes. I think we need to find me. you a girlfriend. I really do. I can't time down. Too, to, can't time too down. busy, baby. Can't too busy. Pulling news and drinking beer. <laughs> so when is Doom out? Um, May. Yeah, May, isn't it? Mm, I'm pretty Which, sure it's May. I'm I'm really excited about it. Again, I wasn't excited about it, and I played the beta. And do you like being absolutely. the little demon from hell when you pick up the demonic room? I loved being the demon from hell. It was awesome. It was awesome. That's my mum's nickname for me, Rory. <laughs> you it, little it, demon from hell. Is it better or worse than the Dwayne Johnson movie? Oh, better, better, okay. better, 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 better. That's better, good. Better. Yeah. And I like Dwayne Johnson. He's a cool guy, mm. but no, better. Absolutely okay. better. So uh, yeah, I definitely definitely recommend if you're into those kind of like old arena platformers. Maybe you still have the time, you can hop on. But if not, uh, watch out for Doom when it's being released because it's really fun. Excellent. I've also been away. I went to the states to do lots of things. I went to see Captain America: Civil War, <gasps> which we spoke about a little bit on the Superhero Show. But we're we're waiting until it's out to do a proper chat yeah. about it. Uh, but I did really like it. I'm so excited. Um, I went and met all the Deadpool people. Uh, the guys behind the scenes on that. Lots of cool tidbits from that coming on the site when I get a chance to blim and transcribe them. And I also went to Pixar to see Summer Finding Dory and then have like a tour of the offices and write a few features about what it's like there. Some of the cool things I found and saw and did and um, some really interesting chats with people about how they write because they're just brilliant at pulling story together and it was really interesting talking to the masters of it there so I kind of assume that the Pixar building is kind of like the world in Inside Out like you have a headquarters you could go to like family land and you know fun land and you could just hop on the imagination train and go to different parts you hop on a scooter well there we go people get if you use your imagination you can make it a train so that's lovely that's lovely no, it's very open and airy, and it's just a very nice place to work. And they're such lovely, interesting people. I love talking to animators anyway. I just find them to be the loveliest people. But yeah, I saw uh, half an hour of Finding Dory. You watched the first 30 minutes? Yes. So it's it, one of those that's where... That's a lot of time. Is it sad? It's very I've sad. heard it's incredibly sad. Mm, just... Um, it's it's a bit like I mean my one problem with it was it follows the template of Finding Nemo mm-hmm. quite closely and has a similar opening in that and I, I they actually asked us not to say right. what the thing is at the beginning okay. which is really annoying because that's what I'd made all my notes about right. uh, but there's something they're keeping secret in the film um, but Ooh. it's the opening five minutes and it is it's very upsetting actually is Mom still alive the yeah. more you think about it the more upsetting it is oh, uh, Nemo was dead the whole but, time but, but then, he's a phantom he's but a then phantom when it's child. done and they, they move straight back into the fun and the story and you, you, you know you get over it it's just it's, you know it's that up finding Nemo thing that they do where they just punch you in the stomach the first opening scenes oh. but um then it is lovely. It's really, really funny. Uh, there's some. It's nice to see some of the old characters come back. There's some really, really funny new characters, and it was one of those where I was absolutely gutted when uh, like the lights fish. came up. I was gutted like a fish, <laughs> gutted like Dory. He enjoyed that, didn't he? Look how much he's enjoyed his own. Um, job, you got to get right? it in there. You got to. You got to make sure you get it. Um, yeah, and so I'm. I can't wait to see the the next hour. But yeah, it's just. I think they've hit it out of the park again. I just. I'm a bit sad because I'd rather see them making new original films and sequels. I think they're such smart people. Yeah, I think we talked about this before, which, again, this is just one of these movies where I love Finding Nemo, but Mm. I don't really feel the need to go back into that world. And I mean, there were some quite interesting characters, but again, 
a sequel unless it expanded in a significant way. And I think it's their own. I mean, if they could do maybe every year do a sequel and an original film, yeah. I'd be happy with that. But we got two originals last year, didn't we? And we're getting just one sequel this year. And I think if they could, I'd be happy. But I just think they're such clever people with such an interesting approach to cinema. Yeah. I think, like, yeah, them doing sequels is no bad idea, especially when they've got the track record of Toy Story 2 and 3. But like you say, it's selective. It's not when it's every single one. Yeah. Especially yeah. ones that don't lend themselves necessarily to sequels, like Finding Nemo, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, I had an interesting chat with Andrew Stanton, who can do whatever he wants there, and he was just saying that he he did have quite a long complicated backstory for Dory right from the word go uh, and he just decided he got to a point where he's, he's like I want to tell that story so you know whether he's saying that or not I don't yeah. know but um, have you seen The Good Dinosaur yet? I haven't no I nearly watched it on the but plane it out there didn't do great review. it didn't review it was that like well, middling no middling's are good like but the fact that none of us have like seen that is when it's quite a kids telling. Film, yeah, when it's a kids film, I feel like it's got to be a really good one for me to want to watch it at this point. But usually, Pixar is, is that br- the seal of approval. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. See, I didn't see Cars for years. I didn't see Cars until I had to go and do Cars two. I didn't either. Actually, yeah, I've never seen Cars two. I, I went. Seen Cars I went to LA to interview Owen Wilson and Eddie Izzard, so I watched Cars one. Um, <laughs> I think I fell asleep in it. Cars one's rubbish. Mm. I like. <laughs> Uh, rubbish is harsh, but it's not the same. Wait, which is the one? The Pixar film. It's no. the one with the cars in it. Yeah, got that. <laughs> which, the eyes. Was it? Was it? <laughs> was it the second one where they all became spies? Yeah, it's the one with the yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. like Michael Caine's and it. like the tour around Michael Europe. Michael Caine's in that? Yeah, yeah. He plays is he like an old British car? Well, he, he's he's a, yeah. Well, he's a famous old. Uh, he, he did the Ipcris Attack. Files and he, Harry Palmer, so he's played British spies in the sixties, and this is like a, a sort of sixties style romp. Uh, around Europe, and so he plays like a, a, a car that's a spy, like a you know a <laughs> like, charming a, like a London black cab or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that'd be quite um, nice. But yeah, may, maybe maybe <laughs> into it now. He's like, that sounds awesome. Have they done this yet, or can we do it? Maybe the funniest <laughs> thing in um, now we're going to do Finding Rory. <laughs> Finding Rory. Hey, that kind of works. <laughs> I know, I that's like why it. I said it. Yeah. Um, yeah, very... I'm on a different page today. I need to wake up. Definitely, definitely would work. But my favourite two characters in the film were a couple of lazy sea lions, and they're played by uh, Dominic West and Idris Elba. So it's like a, a wire reunion, and they're very funny. They're just very funny together. Are you like Idris Elba in uh, I don't mind. I prefer him in that to Zootropolis or Jungle Book, where I didn't like him in either of them, especially because he can't say the so word. you're just not giving up acting now? Jungle. In front of camera. <laughs> Jungle. I, just, I would Jungle. literally phone it in. Well, this is actually... It's Elba. funny that you, you touched on that, because that was my favourite part of Finding Nemo, was bumping into... <laughs> was bumping into different <laughs> kinds of fish, and them all having their own, like, personalities. Yeah, and yeah. So, like, if this goes into, like, more, like, well, subgroups and things that like that... There was that that had that really devious octopus in it that looked really good. Yeah, he's not devious, he's really, really he's funny. Not, but he, he can camouflage anywhere, so there's a lot of jokes about that. Uh, yeah, he's he's my favourite character. I think at does this he point, does he have a name? Uh, well, obviously he does. But. He doesn't. I can't remember it. So I've said, I'm saying that they're all my favourite characters at the moment. But yeah, and <laughs> it's a good sign. Yeah, no. There's, <laughs> and there, but there's also some that return from finding it. So it's like you know, hanging out with old friends almost. Do you have those seagulls in it that go mine? Oh, oh, who was that? Idris Elba. Eric Banner. Eric Banner. Is it Eric Banner? Yeah, he did. I think so. Anyway, I'm sure if we're wrong, people will write and tell us. But we're going to have more Pixar stuff in the coming weeks. Uh, Dan, stick bold. 
it's new office obsession is yeah. stick bold. We played it oh, in the office. This? I don't like know what this is. You love it, Chris. Hours on Friday night. It is endorsed by the World Dodgeball Association. Is it? It is a new indie game, mm-hmm. which is effectively dodgeball. The AD, okay. AD, and it's very simple. AD. It's got like two buttons to it. Dash and throw. Mm-hmm. It's very good. Oh, sounds good. It's really good. And we're playing it. You can play up to eight players. If you have an Xbox yeah. One, on PS4 only supports four pads. But you can do like different configurations of teams. So you can do every man for himself, 2v2, v2, v2, 3v2, different configurations. And But it's dodgeball, but it takes place in like ridiculous locations. So the first one is pretty normal. It's in a gym. Mm-hmm. But there's different obstacles that come on. So mm-hmm. while you're playing, a hot dog vendor will come across the map. And you can take a hot dog sausage and throw it at another player to stun them, mm. which doesn't uh-huh. happen in traditional do. dodgeball. Don't no, like but it is. But a also, good it addition. does happen in American gymnasiums. Does it? Yep. Well, hide the sausage. Hide the sausage. Just sausages. Yeah, a bit so of a Rory, sausage fest. Rory just throws sausages at people. That's his. That's my priority. That's his. Because no one expects it. Everyone's going for the dodgeball, and mm. then they think they've got you in a corner. Sausage. Mm. So you get sausage. if you get hit once by the ball, you have um, stars around your head and you're dazed. If you get hit again, you're out. And mm. uh, you you you're not you're not keen. I was with you when it was dodgeball, but now it's hot dogs. I'm like, hot dogs only add to it. Well, it's it's, it's it is it's essentially dodgeball, but then it has like every level will have obstacles. You yeah. go down to the beach, and there's like a wave that'll come in. You have to avoid, and, and you can also throw. You can hide behind. Yeah, yeah. And then also, I think one of the the best parts about it is um, when you're knocked out, you go to the side. So maybe there's still one person on your team that's kind of running around trying to dodge the ball. You then on the sides of the the arena can choose to interfere through different means depending yeah. on what the map is so there's like one where you can uh, click to drop on a section like a big whale and he'll like come down and if he crushes any of the players you can still crush your own players but it's your way of like interfering and trying to help the your remaining I think my favourite one is mm-hmm. when you play on a roundabout you can be a swan and you can go around breaking people's arms <laughs> that's funny it is it's, which like is one. like it's true they can can so, they? yes I was a, I was a ta- I'm, I'm scared of swans and geese you should be because one of them bit my finger one time they have no fear those birds <laughs> they're not afraid of humans yeah. and they should be okay, I want to hear the story about when you got bit on the finger I was just a child and I was feeding the ducks and the swan came over and he like bit my hand and then I was like oh get away and I tried to shoo him but then he just went up with his yeah, that's it was like Jurassic Park that must have been terrifying it was terrifying how Chris. Very young, five, six. Wow. And now, if I'm ever at a park, like you see them walking towards you, if you try and scare them, it's not going to happen. They, mm. They'll just keep coming. Vicious birds. Vicious for such elegant, yeah, well, hen- elegant bodies. Yeah, hence, hence, hence the arm breaking. Yeah. Absolutely. Are you not scared of any animals that can hurt you? Am I scared of any? Well, we just said that one can hurt you. Oh, well, we don't know. Put me in a room I, with them. Am I'll I see. scared of any animals that can't hurt me? Yeah. I'm, oh, that can't hurt you. They can't hurt you. Harmless, but you just don't. You're afraid of them. You don't like them. Well, I know, like, little spiders can't hurt me, but I don't yeah. particularly like them. I was going to say the same about little snakes. Little snakes. I don't trust a snake. No. Mm. Which is weird because they're so <laughs> infamously trustworthy. <laughs> <laughs> He's well happy with that. He's like, <laughs> I found, I found, um, I found this. <laughs> You've seen Jungle Book, yeah? Trust in me. You read um, the Bible, right? Better, yeah, bringing it all back. All I found back. the snake in Jungle Book quite frightening, even though it was Scarlett Johansson's voice. You're going to say sexy. It's a sexy snake. Well, it was sexy because it was her, snakes, but it's sexy. Snakes are sexy. Are snakes sexy? In a way. Well, in what way? 
It's like um, it's like Superhands and Peep Show carrying a snake around the party. Oh, but that's and he's like, like all right, mate, just a phallic symbol, not my actual dong. When he's fighting, <laughs> all right, another another video, <laughs> another video to put in uh, to this article. Uh, I think it's by a guy called Al Wilson. It's a Northern Soul song called "The Snake." And it's about a woman, a tender-hearted woman, who one day meets a snake, uh, takes him home, and takes care of him. And it's it's so it's the dirtiest song I've ever heard because it's clearly not a snake. snake. But it's clearly not a snake he's singing about. But okay, yeah. So you need a tender-hearted woman <laughs> take home your snake. It's a really good song though. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, yeah. So stick bold. Yeah. Well, it's two a good, thumbs up. Yes. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> Off track. Oh, right also, sixty snakes. Two thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> oh god people, do people like it when we go on digressions I'm not sure I they do I think they do I think they do I try to encourage it if anything uh, are we done with stick bold though yeah we're done with it okay play I, it. I do want to play it um, just no hot dogs uh, Ratchet and Clank Ratchet and Clank this is the other I've had a busy weekend there's a lot of fun games to be playing at the minute that's one of them um, uh, when you do Doom's, that when you point that's not right, good for the audio uh, stick, stick bold better, is one of them better there for the go. audio um, Doom is the other one but the third one I've been playing uh, is the new Ratchet and Clank. Uh, this has been getting amazing reviews everywhere, so I finally managed to get a copy and start playing again. Because I used to be a big fan, actually. I didn't get a PS3, so I unfortunately kind of dropped off the franchise. But this is big fan. this is like a, a reboot of the the first one, so like same narrative, and it's so good. It's so good. What are you giggling at? I'm sorry, just the, the Ratchet and Clank franchise. You kind of lost it, but the reboot. It's just making me laugh. What's what's weird about that? <laughs> I don't know. I find it funny. But it's, it's, I dipped it's, off, and now I'm back. He's back on board because this board. is the because it's kind of an adaptation of the original but also they're making fun of the fact that the movie's coming out so they're saying like it's an adaptation remake of the original but that is a remake of the movie and they're kind of playing with that idea yeah and the graphics the visuals are incredible like some arguably maybe the best looking PlayStation game available. It's, like people compare it, it looks like a Pixar movie. Wow, the it's level of detail beautiful. and animation, and especially like that is such a great thing to have when you have uh, a game with the arsenal that you have in uh, Ratchet and Clank. So if you if you don't know it, there's um, the game kind of is known for the ridiculous weapons that you can get in it. So I was playing today and I was fighting enemies, and I have a gun called a Groovatron which shoots out a mirror ball and it means all the enemies start dancing and I mean this is like every enemy has a different dance move so they're all dancing and then I can hit them with another gun called the pixelizer which turns them into like 8-bit creatures and then I can hit them with that it's just it's incredible it's so good it's Mm. so good which is your favorite weapon? my favorite weapon ooh that is a really good question which would you most like in real life? uh there's there's one I have at the minute, which um, there's like have di- different iterations that have appeared in the game, but it's basically a, like a little nanobot that floats around you and attacks people. And I think in this game, I think his name is Mister Zer- Zircon or Zertron, um, and he's this tiny, tiny little guy, but he's got a really low voice, and he just says the funniest things. It's like Mister Zertron's here to bring you death, but he's this tiny little bot. And he just like flies around doing all these little one-liners and things. He's amazing. I'd would love you, to just would you like that in real life? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Just around the office yeah. and stuff. Editing a video, just be like, boop. Zertron's just floating around. Take care of zapping your admin people. For you. Zapping people. Yeah. Don't do what needs to be done. Aren't you going to be seeing the movie as well? I'm going to be seeing the movie uh, on Sunday. Okay. So I, I'm really excited about that. Unfortunately, so like I'm really excited to be back in this world, seeing all these characters again. The only problem is that. The comedy has aged a bit. Like, I know it's been rewritten, but I remember playing these as a kid and, like, cracking up and thinking, like, this is some of the funniest, like, game I'd ever played. 
But now it's kind of hit and miss. Some of the jokes I'm like, hmm, just kind of, mm. it's not for me. You know, I think you it's, a, it's a younger. You're older. I'm older. I'm absolutely older. But at the same time, you know, I could see like the Rory's of today really enjoying it and having <laughs> the, a blast. The new, the new oh, year. Please the don't Rory's say there's more Rory's today. coming. There's an army coming. They're going to be swarming around this place. What's that? There's a mild threat. <laughs> There's a war coming this way. <laughs> Are they the kind of people that would text in a movie theatre? No, absolutely not. They're respectful. Bubbly and respectful. Well, it's interesting because we had... <laughs> Bubbly. We Bubbly received an email on that front. Um, Alex Lutkin wrote in and said, uh, heard about the report uh, about AMC cinemas being open to the idea of allowing people to use their mobile phones in mobile-friendly screens. Sorry to bring this up, and I'm sure this has angered him immensely, but was just wondering if Gav has any comment on this after his many rants about cinema etiquette. I'm definitely against the idea. Also, great show, guys. Thank you. So this is a story that uh, rumbled along last week, although I thought it'd be good to talk about it here because it was in the States. It wasn't a UK thing, uh, so I don't know if everyone heard it, but it was AMC, which is one of the big movie chains in America. Uh, their chief, Adam Aaron, um, spoke to Variety and uh, said exactly what Alex just wrote in and said. Uh, his quotes were, when you tell a 22-year-old to turn off the phone, don't ruin the movie. They hear, please cut off your left arm above the elbow. Um, so we're going to try and find a way of figuring this out, but at the same time, we're going to have to figure out a way to do it that doesn't disturb today's audiences. What may be likely is we take specific auditoriums and make them more texting-friendly. And then this sort of kicked off quite a debate online as to whether this was acceptable uh, should if people want to text you in a film and you create screens for them, would that not be better for everyone? Uh, what are your thoughts, Rory? No, absolutely not. Mm. That's such a. I think it's such a patronising comment as well, implying that every twenty-two-year-old is like glued to their phone and can't live without it. That's. I have like. Yeah. So many friends who are like a no tolerance yeah. for that sort of thing. I, I think it's ridiculous. I went to a screening of The Martian last year, and I went to a really nice cinema. A picture house cinema and before going in there was like three kids on a bench outside and they were being like really loud and then this makes me sound really old this story <laughs> and then I sat down for the Martian and the three kids sat right next to me and I thought oh, crap mm. they're just going to be on their phone because they were watching their phone outside on, mm. the, on yeah. the bench and they were brilliant they were quiet for the entire movie really respectful they were yep. there to see the film I was like stupid me for assuming and they were really good throughout the entire movie so it is patronizing as in say yeah, every single it's completely yeah. so it's a big generalization it's not an age thing you know it's a it's a, it's a worldwide oh yeah there's loads you know, of people you, using their phone you can be an asshole no matter what age you are yeah, yeah. We, that's, we, that's we've, we've all unfortunately got shorter attention spans thanks to these bloody phones not just millennials as it were um, Tim Leake who is one of the smartest people I've met. He runs Fantastic Fest, but he also runs the Draft House Cinema Chain. Ooh. He has been militant for years about this. Um, you will get thrown out of his cinema if you do talk or use your phone once. It's a, it's a zero-tolerance policy. Good. Um, yeah. They've got a way of doing it where you can report it and you can't. they don't know that you've done it, so you won't be frightened to do it in case Laser pointers. the people are drunk or being aggressive. And he does all kinds of public service announcement videos where celebrities sort of flash up before screenings. So Tim obviously wanted to wade into this. And he said, uh, my objection stems from cinema's relationship with directors and producers, the content creators. Authors focus for years to complete their films. We as exhibitors rely completely on these creators for our content and have an unwritten obligation to present their films in the best possible way, on a big screen with big sound and a bright picture in a silent, dark room. 
You can only be immersed in a story if you are focused on it. If while watching a film you are intimately checking your email, posting on social media, chatting with friends, there is no way you are fully engaged in the story on screen. I find that to be disrespectful to the creators, uh, to the creators, those who make the very existence of cinema possible. And so he's continuing a firm policy against talking and texting the cinema is about respect for the filmmakers and fellow cinephiles of all ages. I think that's pretty well put. That's a great point, because I didn't even think about the creators. I was just thinking about the experience for the rest of the audience. But, but yeah, absolutely. Again, focusing on the end experience and being practical, while ideally that's a brilliant perspective on it, and I totally agree with it, part of me is like the more the, the pragmatist. is like, if you could get these people out of your screening and make your life immediately better, then... I would prefer, like, if I mm. went to the cinema and there's two screenings of Civil War, one where you can use your phone and one where I can guarantee that's not going to be the case, that's a better solution than possibly risking it. Yeah. Not that I'd want to live in that world, mm. but... Well, this is it. Like, well, who, like would, say- who would go to these phone screenings? Like... That must be a horrible experience. I'm just imagining people with like their feet up on the sides, like paper airplanes mm. going through, like just not giving a crap about the like people making out in the back. Like people wouldn't care at all, would they? In the phone screening. Well, it's like, then it's like broken window syndrome, which is how did they stop crime on the New York tube? Is because they started cleaning up the graffiti. This is the theory because as soon as there's a bit of graffiti. You're kind of saying it's okay to make things a little bit worse. Same if there's one broken window in a factory. Pretty soon they'll all be broken because it's a signifier that nobody gives a shit. Yeah. And you're right. Like in those screenings, like anything might like you just start talking. Anarchy. Shout. Yeah. Well, there was an interesting development. Like- um, AMC then almost immediately released a statement saying, uh, and I print that really small so I can't read it, uh, we have heard loud and clear that this is a concept our audiences does not want. In this age of social media, we get feedback from you almost instantaneously, and as such, we are constantly listening. Accordingly, just as instantaneously, this is an idea that if we've, we have relegated to the cutting room floor. Good. So uh, in a tweet, they wrote, no texting AMC, won't happen, you spoke, we listened. Quickly, that idea has been sent to the cutting room floor. Hey. So, really interesting the way that played out yeah. in public. And that a lot conversation. of people tweeted that from inside screenings. Just went, no, I do not <laughs> want this. Yeah, um, but it's, it's been very interesting because obviously it's something we've talked about a lot on the podcast, and we're all quite passionate about. Uh, but it's interesting it reading reaching kind of the larger populace and, and seeing that we're not in a minority. That I think yeah. the majority are agreed on this. Good. Yes. Ah. Uh, Right, someone's written Jump Street MIB crossover is Oh, that's real. me. That's me. I okay, really... you need to put your name after it if you want to play by the rules. <laughs> so. I never play by the rules, Chris. That's how I operate. Well, get out. Well, then you oh, don't get to... Get out. You don't get to... Well, I'm just saying that and my phone's now going, so that's... <gasps> oh! Against the rules! Against the rules. Get uh, them out, AMC. Um, you should be at the other screening. <laughs> the other the texting the other podcast, podcast. <laughs> so, <laughs> with what? Joe and Dale, <laughs> bunch of criminals. The unfunny one. Uh, so, what have you? What have you got to say about this? So Rory? I put this in the bad section, and as soon as I did, I I was really conflicted on actually putting it on the good section. So I um <laughs> I love <laughs> what what is weird about that? This, Right, Unbelievable. Go. I love 21 Jump Street. I love 22 Jump Street. I think those movies are absolutely hilarious. I like Men in Black as love well. Love Men in Black too. I just love don't Men in Black think these two can merge without one franchise sacrificing itself to kind of encompass the other. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that yeah, makes absolutely sense. makes okay. sense. Yeah. Uh, and so, how do you see that playing out? I think for this to be a successful movie, it's going to have to be rated R. Mm-hmm. Which obviously doesn't work so well in the Men in Black mm-hmm. universe, but I, I don't see any other way around it. To I be think, fair, I, I don't think, think Men in Black 3 worked very well in the Men in Black universe. <laughs> that's like, very that's true. the thing with that franchise in particular. That's the one. I don't think it has to be R rated. Those really? guys, the, the, the 22 Jump Street guys, can be funny without having to be that rude. And I think maybe seeing their reactions to aliens and... So I guess it's going to be the MIB sign those two up, isn't yeah. it? They're cops. I mean, I don't, I've not even read up on this. Well, you, must, you must have read some of these articles if you're going to bring yeah, it up Yeah, well, it has, it has a title, which is what uh, Men in Black 23, I think, something like that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's presumably... I mean, there's no, there's no confirmation that Tommy Lee Jones or Will Smith will actually be in it yet. I would love it if Tommy Lee Jones was in it. Because he, he just would be... Deadpan, oh, so like, maybe they'll replace them. Well, this is what I'm thinking. Yeah. And then, like, because if, you, if you do, if you uh, pitch it as, like, 23 Jump Street, but in the Men in Black universe. You're on board that for that. Can, I am, I'm up for that, because I, I can, then I can have swearing, I can have aliens, well, I can have crazy guns. Well, that seems like a more kind of appealing mixture, because people really latch onto those two characters, where yeah. the rest of the Men in Black stuff has died away, but I think people think the overall concept's still good. Yeah. Because it is, it's a solid it's concept. A strong concept. But would, it just hasn't dated so well. Would Ice Cube make it in? Of course he would. He He's would pretty have funny. To. He's pretty he funny. Would He's one of the funniest to. things in them. Um, all right, yeah, I mean, I, this is the thing, though. Like, they're fun, they're two fun franchises that I don't think anyone is going to lose sleep over yeah. if they switch it up yeah, a little and bit. It's such a ridiculous concept that. I really just want that. To, like, if if Men in Black 1 had been a one and done and it was considered sort of a sci-fi classic, I might have been more attached to it. Right. But yeah, now they've done a couple not, of sequels. Like, it's not special anymore. The quality yeah. went down a little bit. Um, I actually really like the time travel element of the third movie. So, what's the second one? The second one was, I think, Lara Flynn Boyle was the oh, villain. She, yeah. Or was that the first one? That's the second. Uh, it's been a long no, that's time. The second one. I thought the third one was more interesting than the second one, but it just—I don't know—it seemed a bit after the fact. That was the one where they Josh Brolin. Yeah, Josh Brolin. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, and well, the little pug. Well, oh yeah, that was adorable. Orion's belt. Remember? Remember? You guys remember? <laughs> yeah, it's good, I did, good I did, movie. Yeah, yeah, dude. Um, but one of the ideas is so like the second one made fun of the fact of uh, like movies getting sequels yes. I think it would be great if this one made fun of the fact Crossover. of like movie yeah oh, crossovers like really on the nose like because yeah, yeah. 2 was so on the nose and I think that would be really really funny if they just like absolutely up front with especially the audience especially because Sony are the ones that are most kind of attempting to build all these universes with their various properties yeah yeah. they'd be really funny for them to do that <laughs> I'm, I'm be excited it's, yeah you know I think we've talked about the superhero show I think it might be the way superhero movies go that there'll be more team up movies in mm-hmm. the way that um, Winter Soldier was a, really a team up movie even though it had Captain America's name in the title and it sounds like Thor's going to be a Thor Hulk team up yeah, movie I think this is where and I think it's, it's you know they need to find fresh ways of, of doing this stuff that's exactly what comics have done in the years like because they've been telling consecutive stories for decades and they do that all the time because it's like put that character in that mm. in that series and it just Appeals to two audiences. Yeah. People who like that character, people who like there, that character. There was talk of Fast and Furious and Expendables crossing over that at one point. Incredible. But Jason, Jason Statham made that a bit more difficult by being in both. Oh, but, yeah. Um, I didn't think about that. Bond and Jason Bourne. We had Terry Crews in. He wanted to do that. The, Bond, the, Bond, Bourne, and uh, Mission Impossible. All. Bond, Bourne, and Biggins. <laughs> 
right. Extra points for alliteration. You've, be, uh, you've ruined that conversation. So. Oh, great. <laughs> Shall we? Just Should we go to read the feedback? Because I Absolutely. don't really know what that conversation was that Rory just... I've only got one piece of reader feedback this week. Okay. A lot of people did write in saying... Well done, Daniel. You did predict that I would think of the number 17. We got they a did. lot of emails that said that. Every email that said I predict 17 did say I 17. I had to deal with that because I was, I was on the podcast the next week, but I wasn't on the one you were. So I was like, another bit of feedback. Oh, someone yeah. felt the number trick. And so, feedback yeah. number two, number trick worked. 100% yeah. of yeah. the people who wrote in saying 17, I got it right. So I haven't done it yet, but now I know the answer. Will that spoil Think it? of a number between <laughs> 1 and 20. Don't think of 17. Right, no. Think of a number between 1 and 20. Wait, mm-hmm. can I do it as well? Yeah, you can do it as well. Okay. Um, you know, of your own free choice, change it if you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 17. It's 18. Ah, oh, big 18 there on the clock. Well, close, so pretty close. close. So far. one away. Rates down now, though. That's pretty rates good, down. I think. So, um, Jordan Cooper, Duck Hunt. Um, first of all, I just want to say that Roy did a great job hosting the show last week. Maybe he should do it more often. Oh, Thank you very much. Don't no, encourage that's me, not though. fair Don't to read that me. out when I'm sitting here. Oh, that's no, no. He wasn't saying anything against you. Just because oh, I'm building him up. No, I just feel like now people listening, I want it to be Rory and not me hosting. <laughs> oh, and I, no, honestly, no, I genuinely... You know what, let's just start over. Us. Hello, welcome to the IGN UK podcast. I'm Roy Powers, your host indefinitely. <laughs> uh, today right. I'm joined by... Are you done now? Oh, okay. <laughs> he says you do it more often winky face whether that's flirting or whether he's society actually doesn't mean it I don't know I don't know I don't know if people really want Rory to do it more often I don't know if they do either I think it's like bowing <laughs> yourself. I think it's like uh, when there's like a side character in a show, and you're like, "Oh, he's my favorite," and then yeah. you give him a spin-off show, and they're like, "He's terrible." Yeah, we don't need Joey. We don't need that much. Yeah, yeah. I'm the, <gasps> no, I don't want to be Joey. Or when you have a really good guest on a chat show, and then they come and be guest host when the host is away, <laughs> and they can't read the auto cue. <laughs> can't read the auto cue. Not always. Not always the best. Not always. Um, Jordan's question is when I first saw the Rogue One trailer I like most was super excited and watched it about four times in a row however in retrospect I think that if you remove the Star Wars title and the Star Wars set pieces then the trailer would make for a pretty boring sci-fi war movie trailer and no one would be anywhere near as excited do you agree is this Jordan Jordan yes I I entirely agree and I said it at the time not that I think it's going to be a bad movie I can't wait it's probably the film I'm most excited about this year But as a trailer, it didn't really do a lot for me in the way that I think the Force Awakens trailers were a bit better. I mean, they had the added value of having the old characters pop up and making me weep. But I just thought it was an okay trailer. It was a teaser, though. Where the appetite? Where were you on it? I'm I'm absolutely the same. And we actually, we touched on it in the last podcast. Right. And I was saying exactly what you were saying. Um, and I had um, the two guys like braiding me being like, no, it was amazing. It was amazing. And I absolutely agree. It just, it really, I know, I know that like we're the minority, but just nothing. Uh, as soon as it was over, I was like, I, yeah, uh, that was a trailer. It didn't do anything <laughs> for me. Like no chills, no, no excitement. Did you yeah. say that out loud? Yeah. <laughs> just trailer guys. Yeah. Yeah. Note to self. Yeah. Did nothing for me. I think good, no chills, same here. Mm, like, yeah. cool imagery, cool shots in it. And it's it's really hard to do what Jordan kind of says here, which is, can you extricate it from Star Because it is Star Wars, and just immense cultural power yeah. to all those things. And, yeah, if you took it out, like, it's just, is it just a sci-fi woman? Yeah, it probably is. But, like, there's some cool stuff in that trailer, but there's no shivers for me. And I've always yeah. had a problem, as I've said many times, with the, the whole idea of prequels. And the fact that this is kind of a prequel, telling a story that we maybe know the end of already. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
that makes me less interested when they could have done any story they wanted in this universe uh, with any set of characters yeah. to have it tied to stuff we know we're so familiar with. Um, yeah, I've got mixed feelings about it, yeah. but it's Star I, Wars. Like yeah, the thing with that is like. Even though you know dramatically how it's going to resolve to a degree, you know they're going to get the plans. Hmm. I guess spoilers. Is, like, Jesus, Dan. You don't know what? how, and like the how could still be really no, fascinating. And, and that's why and, they've introduced all new characters, so you don't know yeah. who's going to live or die. But the thing, the most impressive thing about that trailer is Mon Mothma, mm. and like uncanny. Yeah, and that's probably my favorite thing about the Rogue One trailer. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, Gary Witter, friend of the show, former guest of the show, was tweeting about that. He's written the story for Rogue One and wouldn't bloom and tell us what it is. But he was saying it's funny how things work out. She was cast in Attack of the Clones, that Irish actress as Mon Mothma, and they shot scenes, but they never used them in the film. And uh, they decide to recast her now. And she looks a lot more like the character, like she's grown into the role. And so so uh, he said, it's just funny how things work out. And says that he said that she's terrific. And that was kind of the the one thing you're watching it because you're like, it's her. Okay, little, little, do you think Vader or the Emperor is in this movie or both? Yes. Uh, Yeah, me too. Both? Definitely Mm. Vader. I think the Emperor will appear as like a hologram. Yeah, because there's also a lot of talk about Tarkin being resurrected through CGI as well. I think we're going to see a few more characters than, than you expect. Than they're letting on. Yeah. yeah. Because why wouldn't you when you're in that time frame? Yeah, make the most of it. And yeah, they're just being... It doesn't even have to be much, does it? Yeah. Like, and so then we'll, we'll probably get the chills when... That's what I, I think... Oh, when the, multiplying. I think when the trailer, the actual trailer drops, there'll, there'll be like a chill moment with a reveal, I, like, like Vader or something, and then I'll get... I'll, and then I'll you can go again. Ah, oh, that was just a trailer, man. <laughs> yeah, like, no chills, didn't do it for me. That was a trailer. Yeah. But I'm, I'm excited. I'm that excited. is it. Are we done? We're done. We are. All right. Well, uh, if people want to write in, where do they write to, Rory? To the IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. Just trips off the address. tongue. Yeah, it's very easy to remember. Yeah. Um, yeah, but until next week, thank you for listening. Thank, thank you very much. for watching and thank you for being you. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.